Hello, 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 and welcome to a very special supplemental episode of the Nerdy Godcast. And now I have to just come at this with my hat in my hand because uh, our last proper episode, we were talking about games, the games that we play, tabletop games, role-playing games, board games, those kind of things. And, uh, and, and I know that when I put it out there online, it got a certain percentage of our populace excited. Uh, one person who we're going to have with us for this conversation is uh, a friend of the show, Mike Perna. And he posted, he tweeted, hey, you know, Nerdy Godcast really got me checking this out. It's like Willy Wonka. I'm going into the chocolate factory here. But at the end of the episode, I don't know that our conversation that we had, and it pains me to admit this, really lived up to the expectations of, uh, of Mike Perna, who is a board game, tabletop game, role-playing game aficionado. I felt like he expected Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, and he got the discount rack at the M&M store. So uh, <laughs> to put right what what potentially uh, went a little amiss, uh, we're, we're bringing here to this supplemental episode from Inroads Ministries, Barden Bible. Uh, will you please welcome Mike Perna? Hello, Mike. How are you doing? I'm, I'm excited glorious. to be here. I am excited to be here too, man. And 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 you are the. I mean, that's capital T double E, the game guy. Well, for for some people, I am. I am. I am a very <laughs> small fish in a very large pond. But I, I also acknowledge the fact that for a lot of people, I, I've yet to run an event where there hasn't been at least one person who walked up to me and said. I've never heard of any of these games before. <laughs> Does it give you a sense of, of pride and a little bit of joy? Like I know things that the common people don't. Well, that no, it's not that. It, it literally is. It's there's a reason why I use the Willy Wonka illustration. It's because I love being that guy. The thing, a, a bit of trivia about that movie that I don't know if you know about because I, I love this movie. I go yeah, oh, deep. Yeah. Uh, I, because because I love Johnny Depp so much, and I feel like no, I'm just kidding. I. <laughs> The audience can't appreciate <laughs> the the amount of effort I put in to just to to, to maintaining my composure in you that passed, moment. You passed the sanctification test right there. Yeah. Um, no, in the proper Willy Wonka movie. Yes. Um, the scene where Willy Wonka, played by the amazing Gene Wilder. The incomparable Gene Wilder opens up that door mm -hmm. and the kids and the adults just go slack jawed with yes. just joy and awe. Yeah. That's natural because they did not show any of those actors what the chocolate factory looked like. Their, that reaction is literally their first reaction. Wow, that's fantastic. That's amazing. They hid that set from those actors until that moment. And those are those are kids, man. So you know, delight. Right. And this is these are kids pre the days of the internet when kids were you know jaded and and numb to any form of right. brilliance and entertainment. They saw that it probably was a world of pure imagination. So, so like that moment is what when people come up to me and say, "I've never heard of these." I'm like. I have I have opened up the door. Come with to, me to and something you'll be. truly wonderful here. Come with me into this moment. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So so you, what kind of games uh, do you find to be your happy place? I really it depends, and I know that seems like such a, a cheesy answer, but it really does because ultimately I want to play the game that works best with the people I'm playing with. Okay. Okay. Uh, so. so it, you are a leader of game experiences then. I mean, you're wanting to oh, take yeah. people into this world. Well, it's it's part that and part a game in and of itself. Like the 
best well-designed game out there if the people at the table are either confused or they don't want to be there or they were expecting something else i don't care how well designed that game is it's not you're not going to have fun in that moment if nobody wants to be there mike now you you're really uh kind of igniting the pastor within me because I see the parallels right away between that and maybe a church experience. You know, if you walk in, it doesn't matter how well produced or how well studied you are. With them. If people don't want to be there, they're not going to receive the good thing that you have for them. And well, that, it's all about human experience and that's really exactly is. what it is. I yeah, think it, really it goes is. across all the, the, all the boundaries, all the borders, no matter what it is, it, that, that aspect of this, the fact that, that you're going, you want to play to get everybody playing together. Mm-hmm that that has bleed across every aspect of human experience that's amazing uh, i want to talk about that so when we were we were on our proper show and you did listen to it i, I discovered pretty quickly that most of the the crew on our show they were just not as into tabletop gaming as i was and and i even i'm uh, a novice compared to many but but when we the conversation kept degrading into things like monopoly and uno and clue i thought okay <laughs> these guys are our hasbro game night players and that's okay there, there's a definitely a, a place there's there i there are some people who will be snobbish about that there is nothing wrong with that ultimately the purpose of a game is to have fun with your friends and family if those games are doing that for you, yeah. oh, absolutely! Please continue to play those games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a reason that they've got 97 different versions of Monopoly that have come yeah. out in the past year, right? Uh, but I wanted to, you know, using the Willy Wonka analogy, I wanted to kind of show some of the people that were listening because they were curious or interested or or had kind of a, a fandom in the tabletop game world, uh, some of the things that were maybe more deep cuts or a little more advanced. And I thought you would be our guide for that. So uh, tonight we're just going to talk a little bit about some of the games that we love and that, that inspire us and that uh, have surprised us in a good way. So um, what have you been playing lately? What was the last game that you played? Mike. The last game that I played on a physical board, yeah. sadly, because I am the father of a toddler, <laughs> I didn't get to finish that game. Okay. Uh, it is a game called Wingspan. Okay. And Wingspan, uh, if, you've, if you're new to the game world, and even if you've been in the game world, if you've been in the game world, you know Wingspan because it won buckets of awards recently. Like I this, just, I had never heard of this game until just a few days ago. Yeah, Wingspan has won buckets of awards and rightfully so. This was the first time I've played it. Uh, I'd heard a lot of hype. And when you hear a lot of hype about a game, it's it's really hard to live up to that. Even like the, the great games when everybody you've talked to is like, this is amazing. Like yeah. you, you gotta play this. You have to kind of, I, I try very hard to like, like rein that in because no game is perfect hold on let's move <laughs> let's move past this um i get the hype for this so i i don't and again i'm only looking at it superficially i i was i was looking at an it's article a game about, about bird watching it's a game about bird yeah so what's the deal i mean i don't want to bird watch in real life why do i want to play a simulation of bird watching the ex the the fun thing about it is and this this game the reason that i want to make sure that i personally reined in my expectations is because mm -hmm. A, like everybody has what they like about a game yeah so just because it's it's well designed just because it's well put together there are a lot of really well designed like i've looked at a game and said this is a good game that i never want to play <laughs> like i can i can fully acknowledge that a game can be good on like a 
a design level, but has no interest for me whatsoever. It's like a it's like a, a very pretty girl that, that doesn't know how to hold a conversation. There you go. I can appreciate. I can I can say this is a good. So I'm like like okay, wingspan won't be for everybody. Okay. Because if you want like a, a, a high flying like theme of craziness, yeah, the theme is bird watching. <laughs> bird watching you are you are putting down bird cards you know and and putting eggs on those bird cards and getting food to feed the birds to get the eggs on the bird cards so like it, it might not be able to connect with people but if you do want something that is is mechanically challenging because there are three different tracks where you have to lay these birds like, like environments mm -hmm. where you lay down these birds and you have to figure out on your turn you can't do everything you can get more cards or you can have birds in a certain biome as it were lay eggs but only then if if depending on if they have the room to have more eggs in their their nest and sometimes you have to use those eggs to get other things and it's all about getting an engine because what's really cool is that in each environment when you activate that environment you are, are going through each bird in that list in that line and so you have the potential, depending on when you play a card, how you play that card, you go, okay, I can play this now, but that also activates that card, this card, that card, and that card. Hmm. That's a very holistic gameplay. Everything's connected. Oh, it, it absolutely is. Now, I, I, I have to tell you, though, sitting on the outside looking in, never having played this game, even the description of it, you're still failing to wow me. Is it, There's some games that you just have to sit down and play yourself, right? Like, you have to fully appreciate it. There are, I, there's a, a phrase that I use a lot called table presence. Okay. There are some games that I have that I can pull you from across the room just by putting it on the table. For example? Fireball Island. Oh, I'm, I'm in already. Sounds exciting. Fireball Island was originally created back when I was a kid. I don't remember the exact release date, but I was a kid when I got the original Fireball Island. There is a game company that I, I love all their stuff. I love what they're doing, their whole philosophy. It's a company called Restoration Games. Okay. And Justin and the crew at Restoration Games, they find older board games that weren't exactly following, like obviously weren't following modern design practices, but there was a core good game there. Okay. And they bring them back and they kind of do more to them. Okay. You want a game that's going to resonate with you. Fireball Island, you are basically Indiana Jones. Okay. And there is a statue of, of I can't remember the, the name. It's, it's, a, it's a whole bunch of consonants or, uh, <laughs> you know, and with an apostrophe in there. Uh, okay. But this, this, like spirit of this island is literally tossing fireballs at you on okay. a three-dimensional board. So I'm looking this up right now, and I remember this game. This is it's it's like Legends of the Hidden Temple meets Mousetrap. Exactly. Wow. And the new version uh, takes away some of like the old one. Literally was roll dice move, which was everything back in the day. Sure. Now there's a little bit more strategy because you can play cards. You can choose what you're going to play to move your person around to get treasures. Because ultimately your goal is to get treasures and mm -hmm. get off the island safely. So introducing a little strategery there. Right. So th in this game, you can be like, okay, I'm going to go here and then get these treasures along the way. Or, oh man, I have to get 
because one of the things you can do in the island is take pictures of, of really cool places that are marked on the board. So maybe you need to get there in a hurry. So you're like, I don't care about the treasures in this section because there aren't that many. But if I play this card, it says I can't pick up treasures, but I can book it like twice the speed. Right. So like you're moving around this island trying to get all the all this stuff when you've there's there's a couple different ways you end the game and then your goal is to get off the island because getting off the island is not a given. Okay, okay, all right, gotcha. And so you're also like you're you're trying to avoid being in a place where fireballs can land on you, but guess what? Every other player is trying to throw as many fireballs at you, which are which are marbles shot out of this this little little statue, this little like plastic statue. Physical marbles. There are physical marbles yeah. rolled down a physical track, and if your guy physically gets knocked over, you have to start again. Oh, that's you have wrong. to you have to lose a treasure and start again. Yeah, and looking at this board, I can see exactly what you mean by table presence. I mean, this is a cool looking setup. I have I have a game called Cash and Guns. Okay. It is every heist movie you've ever seen, but not the actual heist. It's the separate, it's the the uh, splitting the, the loot after the heist. <laughs> the real hard part. It is, it is played where each person at the table gets a foam gun that they point at everyone else trying to get them to back away from the table and leave the, oh leave the loot on the table. That's hilarious. I literally have started events where I've been, you know, Every once in a while, I, I try to bounce around at my events because uh, I'm usually the one who knows the rules. Right. And so I, I don't really sit and play a game, but every once in a while, I'm like, things are good, everyone's going. I need to get something something happening. So I will stand in the middle of the room and say, I need eight people who want to rob a bank. <laughs> yeah. And so you have eight people, up, up to about eight people with foam guns in hand and every turn they are pointing that gun at somebody else at the table that's great and you play a card that says either click which means your gun ain't loaded you're just you're just posturing okay or bang which means i'm literally going to shoot you oh but they don't know what card you've played Un unless you unless they call you on it unless they call your bluff <laughs> this game because endorsed by the nra because what happens is, is that you, you there's a couple rounds. First is that everybody points their gun. And so you can see how many people are out for you. Now there's also a person called the Godfather and the Godfather can tell one person, you point that gun somewhere else. Okay. Now, once you've gotten to that point, everybody has the ability, you know, there's one more round and you count, you're supposed to literally count one, two, three, and everybody shouts bonsai. <laughs> which is also an experience at the table, which is great. You have a bunch of people with foam guns pointed at the table and they just keep shouting bonsai. Oh my goodness. And um, at that second round, if you're still in it, you keep your gun pointed. If not, if you're like, there are four guns pointed at me right now, you can put your gun down and walk away. All right. And that means that round, you're not getting your share of that loot. Right. But it also means because you if don't you get, get shot, <laughs> if you get shot three times, you are out. You are no, done. No loot. Nothing. Can't take it with you. Right. So that, like that, that's an experience and a half How right there. much fun. Yeah. So so and these are games I've, I think I've seen cash and guns, but I, I I was not interested enough in the box art to pick it up and flip it over. Now, you talk about the difference between the aesthetically pleasing game and then the substantive game. Uh, how how many times have you encountered that? A game that has great box art and then doesn't live up to it, or a game that has kind of underwhelming presentation, but then turns out to be a showstopper. Oh man, there's 
there are a ton of like like there's this, a, a a type of game which is often referred to as a euro game and a euro game it, it got that because the original games were coming from europe sure uh and a lot of these games are very very mechanical in fact a lot of them you don't actually compete with the other players you are, are in your own little world with your own little board looking the only the only thing you might have is if somebody gets in your way and then makes you take the thing you need next turn instead of this turn unpack the the word mechanical what do you mean by that it it's very dry it's very there you know how we're talking about fireball marbles yeah, and nobody's pointing, pointing guns. guns and shouting bonsai. this is literally like i'm going to send this train to go pick up this <laughs> to go pick up this linen so that i can make this this fabric and this turn i harvest wheat yeah i got you i got yeah you. so you know it it it's not exactly a thrilling concept it's it's just the idea of of you really like watching this thing build and grow and like if you can look at a supply line and go oh i have everything i need now to build this thing over here that's going to get me points at the end of the game if that excites you yeah euro that, games that's the way to go is, this is where you are and uh yeah like that that kind of thing is known for just dull usually it's some awkward vaguely european gentleman with with a face that looks like he needs to run to the bathroom <laughs> um just, oh. just just unpleasant looking guys on the front covers in vaguely you know renaissance gear is what you're what it's there's, it's almost a joke it's a trope at this point for euro games we just lost the Catan crowd thank you so much <laughs> uh Catan's actually a lot more more contentious than some of these Euro games are. Catan, okay. because Catan gives you the ability, like you have to watch where everybody's going. It's really easy to mess somebody else up. Okay, okay. Like like it 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 shares a lot of the same DNA with the kind of games I'm talking about, but even less uh, player interaction. All right. <laughs> in so fact, those those are the games that my wife loves because she doesn't like it when people get in the way of her of her game her little engine. She's like, what? What do? You, what do you mean? I can't do that. What do you mean you're stopping me? Oh, this yeah. is no longer fun to me. <laughs> yeah, that's when games kind of fall apart. And my wife is also fairly competitive, so we'll play some. We'll play games, and she's really good. She's a thinker. But if um, if if you if you shot blocker, or even worse, if my son and I we find ourselves at a disadvantage and we gang up on her, uh, boy, it's going to be a real long night in my household. Yeah, um, my wife is not a huge gamer, but I, I've been kind of because she loves me. She plays games with me, on <laughs> and uh, there are some games. That, one thing I discovered was that she really enjoys this kind of experience. The it's not really interactive, like as far as like what you're doing can almost, if entirely, not be uh, interrupted by another player. Okay, like her favorite games are things like Castles of Burgundy, which literally it's you are building up this like duchy and there's almost zero <laughs> player interaction because it's literally like there's a main board that you pull from but everything goes onto your little board and once it's on your little board no one can stop it from being on your little board so this is this is like the pbs of board games 
kind of yeah. you're not wrong <laughs> so what, what are some games then that have uh, that have really captured your imagination like let's let's go down like a kind of a highlight reel of some of the ones that you said these are the mike perna gold label tabletop games okay well let's start off with two of my favorites okay um one is called scythe okay and Scythe. I've heard of it, but I don't know. I don't know how it's played. Scythe is kind of if you're looking for something that that explains my type of game. Like, let's take put aside ministry. Let's put aside you know all my talk <laughs> about like what let's play the game that's best for the people at the table. Right. If I if if everything is exactly how I want it, and everybody else at the at the table also wants to play the games that I want to play. Yes, it's Mike's birthday. We're playing Scythe. Scythe is it's my favorite game, and it's the type it kind of embodies everything i love about a game okay um in if you want you can play this game when you are you are just off in your own little corner of this section of the world uh every player is, rep is representative of a nation and it's alternate history like it's it's definitely like eastern europe eastern european kind of countryside in like 1920s okay but there are giant mechs as you, as you would like for there to be, yeah. As you would like, and the whole plot, as the thematic wise, is that there is this this legendary factory where people, when it when the factory was running, they were just cranking out these insane mechanical marvels. And so every nation, now that the factory has been been shut down, all these nations are vying for control of the factory, which is in the dead center of the board. Conveniently, it, in a lot of ways, it is just going out i need to get so much wood so much iron so much whatever to build this and depending on how the things you build you're getting points to win the game okay but there are, are just so many different ways to do that you can be of military strength and win battles and and you can uh what are some other ways build all your all the buildings that are available to your nation you can uh just increase your popularity to make it so that you're getting more money you can say forget my popularity my popularity can go into the toilet i want to go in and just be powerful and authoritarian <laughs> um so are, are you a video game guy because this seems a lot like civilization there there is you can actually they actually made a a board game version of the civilization computer game okay but um there there's a lot of there but with giant mechs right this one has giant mechs in it that's awesome um, I, I'm, I'm just a quick Google search to sort of kind of look at the layout of it as you're describing it. And one of the first thing that comes up is Scythe might be the best board game of all time. It's definitely up there. Like a lot, of, like it, I'll tell you, it's my favorite. I'm not alone in saying that. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of people who like it. At the same point, the reason that I love it is the same reason why a lot of people can be intimidated by it. You are not getting a game of Scythe to table in unless like everybody really knows how to play it and you don't need to check anything and everyone's on point you're not getting it played in less than two hours wow so pee before you sit down yeah so like it's gonna take you a minute but for me as a player i love that that's in my butter zone because what that means is is that it's not just sit down do a thing get out you're watching this thing build so you're watching and you have like two little settlers, you have no mechs, you have no property besides the two little places that those little little farmers set out to get. 
You have nothing. And by the time you're done, you have this army, you have this empire of territory you're, you're going <laughs> after, you've developed new technologies, like, and you, you just see all this stuff grow. And depending on how the game goes, it can grow in different ways. That's really cool. And, and, and is the one, if you, if it's a two hour start to finish game, uh, it, it does one game kind of encompass the entire experience. I mean, you play it a different way. The next time it's a completely different game. You can, each nation has their own special powers. Okay. So you have not fully gotten everything in the game unless you've played at least one time of every nation. Wow. Wow. Because, because it's a different experience. If you're playing with the, like they change the names of everybody, but if you're basically playing the the Norwegians, um, they have crazy abilities in the water. Hmm. Normally, normally you have to research the ability to cross water. But they got it. They get it from the beginning. Hmm. Their mechs can eventually get to the place where they can go under the water in one spot and pop out of the water in another spot. Wow. <laughs> um, I, I call the Norwegians. Yeah, so like you have stuff like like crazy stuff like that. You have the 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 German equivalent who are just you don't want to get into a fight with the, the guys or the German equivalent because they will they will destroy you. Oh my goodness! Like like there there are all these different like every nation has their own thing, hmm. and so some of these nations you you maybe don't want to get into a fight. There's one nation in the, in the expansion that that adds some more people that they lay landmines. They're like just don't come here. <laughs> like, just, just don't. You, just, you and your Girl Scout cookies stay on the other side of the line. We don't yeah. want you. We don't need you. Like I have, I have Great. created my border. You don't need to cross it. There's a landmine that's telling you you don't need to cross this. Well, see, and this is a thing I think that that kind of keeps me from maybe playing and experimenting more. First off. These games aren't cheap. You, no. You're not. You're not just walking into the store and, and walking out. You know, for a ten spot. Some of these games now. I mean, they start at fifty bucks, go up to hundreds of dollars. You can, if you're, if you're looking around, there are some really good games out there that are smaller experiences that are in the twenty-five to, to thirty-five dollar range. And and they'll go on sale at Target eventually. Right. But uh, there's something the, that don't. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the big ticket games can. Uh, like I just backed a game on Kickstarter called uh, Marvel X-Men Unlimited. Okay, nerd. <laughs> um, it's great. I didn't get the first version, which was just the Marvel superheroes, but then they did X-Men and and they got me. Uh, but I didn't go all in. All in on that game, as in all the boxes they're creating, all the characters they're creating, all the stuff was like $225. That's a lot. Uh, I got in for my 65 and even then that was only because I had some money squared, you know, squirreled away from my Patreon that was set aside for fun stuff. <laughs> now these kind of games on Kickstarter, I saw one, my Facebook page has really learned me. The algorithm has really got me in a corner. It now does that because they've started sending me, Hey, check out this. And the one that came out not too long ago that was really had my attention was a game called Nemesis. Oh yeah, no oh Nemesis is going to set you back a pretty penny. And it's not cheap, but my goodness, the design, the architecture of this, the mechanics of this game. It's were, alien, it's alien the board game. And it looks amazing. 
I mean, it looks, it, it's multidimensional and it, it's so involving and nuanced and uh, immersive. Uh, immersive, I think that's the word that I would use to describe it. And I, I think that's mm -hmm. something that's that game developers, tabletop game developers are really uh, finding ways to take something that's, you know, two dimensional and flat on a table and really make it feel like you're into it. Like your choices have consequences. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's unfolding in unexpected ways. And that's so exciting. I mean, it feels like we're in almost like a, a golden age of tabletop games now. Oh, uh, there's, it, we decidedly are. I think I, the last time I saw this statistic, it was pre-COVID. Okay. And that doesn't mean that game design stopped or game production stopped. It just means it got slowed. Sure. So I don't know what it is now, but but pre-pandemic, over 4,000 new games were coming out every year. Hmm. And not all of them are going to stick to the wall. No, not all of them will. Some of Some them of are them... just going to be licensed games of like, you know, how how many things can we slap uh, The Office on? It's, oh, it's The Office right. Connect 4. You're going to want to love it. It's like, no, you're just, this is the game that somebody's going to get for someone uh, at their Christmas party that just, that you you like The Office, so here, you throw this away. Right. Some of them will be that. But but even if you take that kind of stuff out of the picture, yeah. you, are, you are still coming out with like just countless stuff. And it ranges. It ranges. The, the ones you hear about are the ones that are like the base game is $100 and it's right. raising millions of dollars on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. But like uh, I know several designers who are putting out like $5 print and play experiences right. that are really engaging. Wow. Give me. Any, like, do you have any examples of that? Uh, in the like, it's not really a board game. He's putting out card games that I like, but well, the that are good, but they're not really my style. But uh, one designer that I've met, uh, he used to do a podcast and that's how I met him. We're, we're Twitter friends, uh, Travis Hill. Okay. Uh, Travis Hill put out recently a uh, two player role-playing game. Uh, and it, the whole concept of this is that one player plays the family, the generations of this family that live in, the, in this house. And the other player plays the house. Okay. <laughs> and you are watching and role-playing as decisions are being made by this family, how that affects the house. Does the family, is, does the house appreciate <laughs> what the family has done? Like, like has the family like shamed the legacy of the previous people who lived there? Mm -hmm. And it's this really, like, the second he put out, I'm thinking about creating a game where somebody plays the house of a family. And I'm like, I'm in, <laughs> I, I, I'm in, I'm in. Um, but like print and play has become a big thing. You can get card games for dirt cheap. And if you have a decent printer and a laminator, you can get really good games. In fact, some companies, uh, I think it was Renegade put out a really interesting little card game, uh, based very loosely off of like Alice in Wonderland. And, uh, it was free. You just had to download it. Wow. Yeah, we we had. A, I was a youth pastor for a, a really long time, and we found some great print and play games that we were able to do at youth events that were so much fun, that were immersive and and easy to pick up. Uh, modifications of games like Mafia, uh, mm -hmm. things like that, and uh, you know, we we always would play Ultimate Werewolf, Ultimate as well, Werewolf. a lot of fun. Um, but there was there was different ones where who, who's the spy, who's got the bomb, who's got what, and mm -hmm. they're quick, they're easy to pick up, but they're but I think they're allowing people that have some really clever creative ideas to get these uh, homemade kind of 
great concepts that might not be picked up by because uh, it's expensive to develop a board game. Oh yeah, um, I mean, especially if you're looking at something that is like filled with crazy miniatures sure. and like like incredible artwork and all this stuff. All that stuff costs money. Even like the not, way that the boxes now, the boxes are so, you know, high quality, woven, full color there, prints. I mean, there are there are companies who who literally the entirety of their business is to make the trays that board game <laughs> designers put in their boxes. Uh, and it, it's but it's amazing. But I love that. I love that sort of the those more I, I, I use the word homebrewed. I know that's probably not the best word to use for it, but uh, do it yourself print and play games exist that's a, that's really wonderful now you talk about the the game inserts go into the opposite side of that back to to the nemesis sort of vibe there's a game that someone was trying to get me to play and i i could never pull the trigger on it mike and it's gloomhaven ah yes and gloomhaven and, and it, you know what really did it for me it wasn't the fact that the box weighs 28 pounds or that he's the not game, kidding either that's no, literally no. that literally i mean it, it was uh, somebody i didn't believe it i picked it up off the shelf and i'm like oh my gosh you could kill three people with this thing oh yeah there there is a trend on the internet that there are people who who literally get inside their gloomhaven box like <laughs> it's like, nuts and then but but it's that he he bought the box the game itself and then he bought uh like wooden compartment trays for the mm -hmm. storage of the game i know of at least three companies who make those a game that requires accessories just to store the game it, it, it have we gone too far <laughs> is god I, going to judge us for this i have a couple of games that i i wish i could afford to get the wooden inserts but thankfully there's another company out there who's making foam board foam core versions of that and okay. they're more my they're more my experience my my wallet size yeah okay i can get behind that but yeah it's uh gloomhaven was no joke i'm intimidated by games like that if, if i if i've got to take a, a college level class just to understand the rules to a game i don't know that i'm having fun anymore well and see that the beautiful thing about games like when we first started talking about what we wanted to do this i'm like i really hope he just doesn't ask me what are good games because there are just too many yeah oh for sure uh, the thing I love about the gaming experience is that no matter where you are, if you want quick, simple stuff that you can play with a lot of people, I got that game. You want a, a, a situation where it's you and one other person, you are gonna sit down for the next four hours to to <laughs> rec basically recreate Star Wars, I can do that for you. <laughs> like, no matter what you, you are looking for, what you want, you can find it, yeah. there is, there is a game, if not multiple games, that do that for you. Yeah. And even even the, the more kind of crazier, bigger games, like there are some games that if you get out of there in less than six hours, you are doing something magnificent. <laughs> if I you don't, can still feel your butt by the time the game is over, you're not doing it right. Yeah, there's a couple games that, that come in at that. Like I know people who literally have to plan a Saturday. Like that's what they're doing. They are waking up, somebody's bringing donuts and coffee, and they're gonna sit down and play like Twilight Imperium 4 or another one like Here I Stand, which is interesting because it, it's, you know, it's basically the Reformation, the board game. <laughs> That's very um, good. That's I, I love, we got a Martin Luther reference right there. Oh the yeah, <laughs> no, one of, one, of the, one of the people are playing the German reformers, I'm That's telling you. amazing. Um, so, like those games are crazy and I love watching those games. I can't, I'm at a time in my life where, you know, I'm 40 years old, I have a job and a toddler. I, the ability for me to sit down for six hours yeah. 
I can't. I'd love to. <laughs> I just can't anymore. Like life yeah. won't let me. Right. Um, but there are plenty of people who do that. I know people who don't want to play more than a 20 minute card game. There are lots of really good ones of those too. Yeah. So no matter what you're looking for, you can find it. And I think that's really awesome. But for those big ones, there's a, a phrase that has come out so often in my game days that when I started recruiting uh, volunteers, they started saying the speech too. Um, it usually comes when I, I describe the game, I give my spiel about how to play it. And before, really before I, I really get into the nitty gritty of the game, I'd say, look, I'm about to give you a big explanation of all the rules of this game. It's going to fly over your head mostly. We're gonna play like one, maybe two rounds of this game and you're going to know what you're doing at least on a basic level. Okay. Because I don't, un unless I'm planning ahead, like unless I tell everybody who's coming, we're playing this beast. The games that I keep, the games in my collection that I bring out to people, they're kind of intuitive. Like right. they can be intimidating as I'll get out, which is why I give this speech. It's going to sound like you can't do this. Give me a couple of rounds and you, you may or may not like it, but I promise you, you'll know how to do it. Because once you sit at the table and start moving the pieces and start seeing the board, because anymore, graphic design in board games is doing a great job of once you understand what all the pretty pictures on your board and on your cards mean, mm -hmm. it's all right there on your table. Mm. You just have to learn what all the pretty pictures mean. Let, let me nail you down to maybe a, a specific example of that then of a game that looks super intimidating but once you actually do it you find it surprisingly intuitive well scythe okay scythe on a table uh especially if you're like me and i have my my giant mat which is behind me um if i lay that down i put all that stuff out and i put all the cards out and all the, the places all the pieces and all that it looks intimidating as i'll get out I've never played it with a person. Like, I've played with people who don't like it, which is fine. I fully acknowledge that people don't like it. But I've never played with somebody who's like, I don't understand what I'm doing. Gotcha. Gotcha. They'll understand what they're doing because the board is so well designed. It's like you move this piece to this place. Oh, okay. And there's even a recessed part in the board that shows you this is where the piece goes when gotcha. you move it. And that's brilliance in design. When when you can do something that's seemingly complex and make it super intuitive, super simple right. to get the hang of, that takes it takes so much work to make something complicated easy. Oh, it does. And that that's a, a sign that the people who made this really put in the the job playtesting. Because mm -hmm. you can you can tell a game that's been playtested and and one that hasn't. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because a game that has had serious playtesting, players are are weird and goofy creatures. And they will find all the weird edge cases on that aren't explained in your rule book. <laughs> For sure. And there's but there's so many times when I'll come up and I'm like, this has to be a common problem. How come this is not addressed in the rule book? How come they nope, they're not answering this question that we keep running into? Right. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like because you're also you're a role-playing game uh, I am. guy? Do you feel like th as games become more uh 
I say that there's there's a, a deluge of new games that are coming out and as games get more and more complex, do you find that that's kind of lending itself towards the resurgence of people just getting into the simplicity, uh, the elegance of uh, old fashioned RPGs? I definitely think, well, I've, I've often said that most people who come up to me who want to learn about role playing games, they're like, oh, I want to learn how to play D&D. I say, do you or you just want to play role playing games? And that's the Kleenex of role playing games. Hmm. Because D&D on its face is a lot of numbers and a lot of plus one this and plus two that and minus three this and all that. Like people want to play D&D because they saw somebody play D&D. Because they watch Stranger Things. They watch Stranger Things. They do Critical Role. There's tons of stuff out there. There's more things on Twitch right now playing D&D than ever. Now, I'm saying this as a guy who loves D&D. Sure. I've been playing it since... Well, I played since Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, so gotcha. been around for a while. Like, I love that game, but if, if somebody who's brand new to role-playing games says, oh, I wanna, I wanna play d and I'm like, I've got other games that do way less math and are way, <laughs> and are way more open to you coming up with weird stuff. Like, do you just want to play a role-playing game or do you wanna play Dungeons and Dragons? Give, give me an example of, of some of those alternatives. Uh, the the biggest most popular uh, one that is out there. It is my baby. It is the one that I love. It's called this. It, the the system is called the cipher system. Uh, I have like four setting books for the cipher system. Uh, one of the, the primary one that I have the most of is is a setting called Numenera, which is Earth a billion years in the future. Okay. Uh, if you've seen somebody talk about D and D, there's like a dozen different classes and that's if you don't get into all the other crazy books like xanthar's guide and all that sure stuff. sure sure yeah uh in numenera there are three <laughs> well you either work for amazon you work for google or you work for facebook right that's it's it's basically do you want to be physically like a physical fighter person do you want to use technology kind of like a wizard or do you want to be kind of good at everything? Okay. Like not great at anything, but kind of good at everything. All right. And the thing I love about Numenera is, is that if you're playing, if you're playing D and D and you want to play a fighter, you want strength or either strength or dexterity. Pick sure. one. You yeah. can't do both. Pick one. Um, <laughs> you really like, you can build like an intelligence driven fighter in D and D but I would never tell a new role player to do that hmm. because the, all this, the mechanical stuff of a fighter is I take, I take sword or hammer and I hit things with sword or hammer. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it, you can do it, but you're fighting against the way the game is built. Gotcha. Games like Numenera, you can build a I'm I'm a, I'm a general I'm a, a thing I'm a tactician I don't I don't use my my strength to do this stuff I I do what I need to do like to position people and like you can have a very intelligent smart fighter guy called a glaive and it works mechanically there is no hindrance to that um instead of all the different stats from D&D uh Numenera has three okay um as a as a game master, I love Numenera because it's so easy to 
absolutely improv, which is I had no plan for this. We're doing it anyway. <laughs> because yeah. because there's no pluses or minuses or weird stuff. It's literally this is your target number. Roll bigger than the target number or <laughs> like that's that's literally like, yeah, there are some things that you can do. You can spend some points to raise or lower that number. But that's it. The goal is get higher than that number. Gotcha. 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 And so, so yeah, there's, a, and there's, there's so much in the role playing world right now. I have so many interesting things. And then what a lot of people don't know, unless you play playing game, like broadly, is dice are not the only way to do this. One of my favorite things to blow people's mind is to talk about a game called Dread. Dread. Dread is a horror game. You're basically participating in a horror movie. Okay. And instead of rolling dice, you are picking from a Jenga a Jenga tower. Okay. So you'll say, I want to do this. And the GM will look at you and say, that's a one pull move. So you pull one thing from the Jenga tower and put it on top. You've successfully done it. Up to a, I believe the highest is a three pull thing like like the thing you're trying to do is crazy so three you have to do three successful pulls in the jenga tower to make that happen which i imagine gets harder and harder as the game goes. harder and harder as the game gets so the tension is building not only in what's happening in the game but you're all literally just watching this jenga tower get jankier and jankier as you're playing and pretty much what happens is that when the jenga tower falls somebody dies oh no like there's no like heal spell. There's no, it, it's literally like the werewolf just ate your face. <laughs> like there's no, there's no getting out of it. The tower fell. Something truly awful is about to happen. Yeah. I think we should just incorporate that rule into regular Jenga. Hey, if you lose a Jenga, the werewolf eats your face. Yeah. Somewhat, you're going to die. That's, this is the end for you. But um, so, so there's all sorts of stuff like that, that can really like, make for completely different game experiences there are people uh one of one of the more interesting i haven't gotten to play it yet but uh there is a movie from my my misspent youth uh that is it's just, it's a really cheesy awful movie but i can't help but love it okay uh it's it's a game it's a movie called empire records oh yeah 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 um somebody made a role-playing game called damn the man save the music it's Empire Records, the role-playing game. Really? You are saving a... You are, are basically the people who run a record store. That's funny. Part of that game is building a set list for your character. Oh, that... Now, that's brilliant. Like, you have to create a song list for... A playlist for your character. That's wonderful. Like, people are doing crazy things. And this, that doesn't even include things like solo role-playing games, which are, are really coming up. They, there's a lot of people making solo stuff since the pandemic hit and we were all just stuck inside. Right. Um, one of the ones that I have for solo, which I really need to sit down with, uh, partly because I want to and partly for content, is a game called Quill, which you want to talk about a cheap game. You can go on drive through RPG and get Quill for literally a dollar. What? It's a dollar. It's actually pay what you will. I think I, I tossed the guy like five bucks because I appreciate the work that went into this. Uh, it's a letter writing role-playing game. Okay. So you are writing a letter. It'll give you who you are. It'll give who you're writing to and what the general gist of the letter should be. But every paragraph, you have to roll dice to see if you can use the good word 
or the awful word. <laughs> oh. And depending on how you play that, like you have stats, like you have penmanship, which will let you do, which let you re-roll if you, if you pick the bad word. Like there's all sorts of different things that you can do. And at the end of it, you've written a letter. Like that's what it is. You've just written a letter. How interesting. I'm, I'm looking that up right now. I see it on DriveThru RPG. Uh, are there, is there a variety of like different versions of this? It looks like they have several there's, different Quill games. I haven't looked at it recently. There's at least two because I have the two that I saw when I first found out about I, it. I see the Quill and then I see Quill Love Letters, Quill Shadow and Ink, and Quill White Box. It, there's, they've come up with a whole bunch since I got mine. How the one that I, cool. one of the ones that I have is that you are all dwarves in a mine. Oh no! And you That's are you are awesome. writing home. You are writing home to your family while you are digging in the mine. How interesting! Wow, man, what a time to be alive to be a, as a game fan. That's incredible. There, there is so much stuff that is coming out. Like people will tell me all the time, like I don't like games, and like I don't push too hard because maybe you don't. They're it's they're not for everybody. But what is often the case is is that it's not that you don't like games. It's that out of this sea of stuff, you haven't found the one that you the like that you or like, the, the right. type that you like. Right, but I right. promise you, out there it exists because there is stuff out there that like some of the more interesting ones that I have. That uh, I have some that haven't gotten to the table yet, sadly, because <laughs> stupid pandemic. Um, there are so many games that came into my house right as everything started to go into lockdown. Listen, I'm so sad. I, I get crapped on all the time for buying games that I've never played, and it's like, but I have them when I want them. They're there. Right. I don't have to worry about it. Like uh, I have a game called Before There Were Stars. Okay. I needed this game. Sounds beautiful. Before there were stars, you are playing as the the basically the shaman slash storytellers of a tribe of people. You are are sitting by the fire recounting the creation stories of your people. Okay. And you every you get cards. You have to roll dice to pick cards. I won't go too much into it because I could any one of these games I could go into a long deep dive about. Sure, sure, sure. But you obtain these cards, which basically have words. And the whole idea is that they're constellations. You are sitting by the fire, seeing these constellations, pointing to them because they are significantly part of the creation myth of your people. Okay. And you are recounting how the world came about, what the, 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 the hero of your people is like. Um, and it's all represented in these one word cues from these cards. Okay. And the thing I love about it, one is just fun. If as a creative storyteller guy myself, it's fun just to do that, to have a framework to tell these cool stories together. The thing that I really like about Before There Were Stars is, is that the way you score points is hidden. Nobody knows how, how anyone else is doing because what happens is, is that not only do you tell the story, each person has to go around and say what they liked about your story. Oh, interesting. And when, as you're telling, what you liked about their story, you have a collection of these these little crystal things. They're little, actually little plastic bits. Um, and you are secretly putting a, a number of those bits into the other player's bag. Okay. You honestly don't know what your points are until you've told a number of these stories. Wow, how cool is that? But all the while, as you're telling it, you are getting these feedback from people like, I really love how you brought that in there or that moment when you said that thing that was really cool. So you really got to have kind of the right group of players that are there to to really 
bring this world to life. I mean, everybody's kind of the DM in that one. It doesn't, it does, the one thing I, I tell people, because some people get intimidated because they're like, oh, I'm not really a good storyteller. Sure. Look, man, one of the guys I was playing, I was telling this great story about this, this, the spirit bear who came through and the bear was so fed up with humanity and what it had done with its creation that it crossed the shadow bridge and we are waiting for the day when the bear comes back across the bridge yeah this other guy is saying yeah um so there's this dragon who's called pepto bismol and he <laughs> he he kind of just keeps going around eating planets and getting wind oh like, my goodness and this was happening in the same game but i'll yes. tell you what no, in, this, despite the tonal shift between the two of us, both stories were great for different reasons. But Pepto Bismol didn't win, right? I can't have that. That's yeah. just, <laughs> we're 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 playing Dungeons and Dragons not too long ago, and we have a couple guys. They were playing for the first time, so they were creating their characters. And uh, man, one guy he he is a uh, a tiefling wizard who named himself Donkey Teeth because he thought it was funny. I, yep. And I just can't. It's like I'm not gonna call. And he's royalty, so I can't. I can't call him Lord Donkey Teeth. I can't Lord do Donkey it. Teeth. Yeah, can't do it. Can't do it. And every time he would just giggle, and it's like I hate you. I hate you. You're ruining this for me. <laughs> and then the Lord Donkey Teeth summoned the dragon Pepto Bismol. Uh, yeah, no, we got to so, get these two together. So the but so like I don't I don't I never want to tell somebody they they shouldn't play that because they don't they're not a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. Because and that, that's why I like the whole aspect of no one really cares about these points. Like, literally, you can play this game and just not talk about how many points you scored. Yeah. I I'm putting that one in the queue, man. That seems really interesting. It's it's a ton of fun. I have games I have games that are hard for me to get to table, not because they're complicated, but because the thing you're experiencing is crazy. Oh, wow. Um, the, the one that I, I kind of hold up as the epitome, like, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you that games can do this kind of thing. Um, the game's called Holding On, The Tragic Life of Billy Kerr. Okay. The whole theme of this game is that Billy is an old man who had a heart attack on a plane. And you, the players, are now playing as the nurses in his hospice suite. What? You are balancing keeping Billy alive and hearing his story because he is all alone. He has no family and he is dying on your bed. You know, dude, I just, I saw this one and I didn't, I, I again, the box art didn't grab me, so I didn't spend too much time looking at it. That sounds really interesting. Like you are literally trying to, as this nursing staff, keep him alive, but all the while also like get his story so that someone will remember Billy. Wow. Billy has no family. And I'll tell that to people and they're like, oh, so can you save Billy? No. Billy does not survive this game. No matter how well you play, no matter how things go, Billy will die at the end of this. Wow. That's so wild. So wild. And so like, like, like there are so many crazy things. Like I can go from the silly, stupid things like win, loser, banana, <laughs> which is a game that's literally three cards. I carry it in my wallet. Um, all the way up to th like experiences like that. I had, I played a game, uh, which, you know, you want to talk about a good game that's really cheap? Uh, the Grizzled. The Grizzled. The Grizzled. You are all playing as soldiers in World War One. It is a, a game about World War One, but there is no fighting in this game. Okay. You are all basically dealing with the trauma of living in constant trench warfare. Wow. So you are literally processing the traumas of things like 
the threat of of poison gas and mustard gas, the the sirens, the bullets, it's the weather. Dulcet decorum to the board game. Right. Um, I played that game one time with some friends of mine, and the one the one woman was a teacher. And they're, we're playing this game, and the whole thing is that you can't, mechanically, you, you have to play a card, but if you match three symbols, either three traumas or three weather types, the mission's over, and you just gotta do what, you know, what happens when the mission fails. Oh, wow. There's one card, the only truly good card in the game. And because she's a teacher and because she was an English teacher, but she was doing war literature at the time, the card is Merry Christmas or it's Christmas, Christmas day. And it talks about that one day in the trenches when they started singing Christmas songs. And before you know it, everybody who was fighting is like playing soccer in the middle of the war zone, which is true. This is true from history. That's history. That's literal history. Mechanically, Christmas Day means you get to take away some of your traumas, you get to remove some cards from play. But she is sitting there, and after playing this game that can get really tense because it's really hard to do some of these missions without matching all your symbols, and she just pulled Christmas Day, and she actually started, like, tearing up. Like, not, like, bawling or anything, but the the pressure, the pressure release of getting the Christmas Day card was so intense that she's like, I don't know why I'm crying, but here I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and this is not this is not an unattainable game. I mean, I'm looking at it right now on, on Amazon. It's less than twenty dollars. Yeah, wow. You can get you can get a slightly fancier version that comes with like a campaign version and has little standees for your soldiers wow. for a little bit more. But you can get the box for almost nothing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Hey, let me let me run a couple games by you real quick, and then I'll let you do the same if you if you'd like. But uh, this is just a little segment I'd like to call "Validate Me," uh, where I, t- <laughs> I tell you I tell you some of my games, and you can say, "Hey, that's cool," or "I've never heard of that." Because if I if I can throw one on you that you've never heard of, I feel like that's uh, conquering it, the mighty the mighty Pepto Bismol. Right. Um, <laughs> you, you you know a uh, five minute dungeon, five minute uh, yep, fantastic fun game. They we have, have a, f- a five minute Marvel too. That's the is... one I'm looking at right now. We yep. have the five minute Marvel version, um, uh, King of Tokyo. Yep. It's one of our favorites. It's, you know, Yahtzee meets Kaiju. It's a classic. I They, they recently came out with what they called uh, King of Tokyo. It was either dark or black. Okay. And I don't know what what the difference is. Like, I don't know if it's just component quality or if there's something crazy going on there. But yeah, I I, I have King of Tokyo. Okay. How about uh, Sudo? The, yeah, the, uh, it's a simple. Uh, this is one of the great ones that I love playing when someone wants to play a pretty game, but uh, they don't want to learn a bunch of fancy rules because oh, it's, yeah. it's just it's, putting down a path and moving your stone and down move your path. The stone down the path. Yep. And it's a it's a fantastic game. We have that in, in, in Suro of the Sea, which is another fun one. Um, that one my, adds that one adds a crazy ship that goes back and forth on it. We have a a, a ton of Munchkin. I mean, we we love the heck out of Munchkin. Um, and that's one of the ones we love to bring because that's a fun game. It can last a good long time, but it's easy to play because you just do what the cards say. There are versions of Munchkin that I prefer to other Munchkin, mostly because eventually the people at Steve Jackson Games realized there are people playing this silly, simple card game for like three hours because they can't finish it. <laughs> um, so what they did in some of the other, some of the later versions, they actually have kind of like game ending mechanics okay like when you hit this point no matter where everybody is game's done gotcha got <laughs> the, the mercy card yeah uh yeah we we have the marvel one we do uh, the adventure time one pirates munchkin booty uh one of the one of the ones i i love i, I haven't really played it all that much because i don't own it 
um, is uh, Munchkin of the Apocalypse. Oh yeah. It literally brings in a revelation because you literally have like you you're breaking seals, nice. and once you've broke once you've broken the seals, it's the all over. Done. Yep, that's funny. Um, Boss Monster is another fun one for fans of of old eight bit Nintendo games. Yep, uh, you you are, you are playing guy, as the bad guy, setting awesome. up the dungeon to to try and prevent the hero from getting through. We this is one we picked up. It was on sale on on Amazon uh, about a year ago. We got it. We played it a lot during the pandemic. Was um Dragonwood. Have you ever I've played? Heard, I've heard of it. I have not played it. Again, it's kind of a kind of a, de- a cross between a, a, a fantasy world, but a lot of dice rolling. Um, sort of a Uno meets um, Yahtzee, but in a in a fantasy dragon slaying environment. It's a lot of fun. Um, and and then uh, uh, this is this is uh, one of my other favorite ones. Remember Hero Clicks? Yeah, we played Hero Clicks like we were getting paid for it, man. Yeah. These uh, miniature games, uh, is that a thing of the past? I mean, the, the collectible. Oh, no. oh, not even kind of. No, not even well, kind of. The collectible, the collectability of it. Right. You don't see that a lot. Right. Mostly because the people who want to play with miniatures really want to play like with like good miniatures. Right. And so nobody wants to do that in a collectible format. They want sure. to be like, I want to pick this guy and this guy and this guy, and they're my army. Right. You don't want to do the blind boxes, and maybe you'll maybe you'll get this one. If not, you got to pay a hundred dollars right. for them. Right. Nobody nobody's looking to do that. Right. But but miniatures gaming is is huge. Yeah, and maybe maybe I, I obviously I know miniature gaming. I mean everything from the this the Star Wars type games to uh, what is it? Mech, what, what's the the Warhammer? Warhammer's the is a, is the granddaddy of them. Yeah, it's been yeah. around the longest, probably. But I know that those kind of collectible games, uh, outside of card games, which those seem to be making a huge comeback, the the collectible card game Car- type things. Card games have never left. Yeah, I mean, Magic: The Gathering is single-handedly. There, are, there, yep, there are game stores that still exist to this day almost entirely on the back of Magic the Gathering. Magic and, and Pokemon, even though I don't yep. know that it, I don't think I know anybody that still plays Pokemon. Well, I don't Pokemon still gets played quite a bit and even if you're not playing it, there are lots of people who collect it. And now the now I know lots of people that collect them. I I don't know anybody that still plays it in the in card format, but that's just me. If you go into a game store, I'll probably promise you there's probably at least one night when Pokemon players show Remember, up. my circle of friends thrives on Clue, Monopoly, and Uno. So you- True. <laughs> True. You're all you, I have, Mike. You're y'all, all y'all I started, have. Y'all started talking Phase 10 and I just started to twitch. I know. Listen, uh, th- these are the games that 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 kill me. I can't sit around and do it. It's it's but I but I love these awesome creative games. I love uh Zombie was one of our favorite ones. I never could get into the deck building games. That they're not my favorite. Now, what do you mean by deck building? The pre-constructed ones? Pre-constructed. Okay. Pre-constructed deck building games uh just seemed a little lather rinse repeat and and, and more time consuming than it needed to be. I have I have one that I thoroughly enjoy. Okay. Called Ashes. Well, now it's called Ashes Reborn. Okay. Because it kind of, uh, it was originally called Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born. They, they stopped the line. They, they weren't going to produce anymore. There were so many people who said, please bring back Ashes, me being one of them, <laughs> that they actually teamed up. The, the people who publish it, Plat Hat Games, teamed up with another company called Team Covenant. And you want to talk about people, you know, uh, collectible card games. Team Covenant their business model is that we will get 
all the collectible boosters in the world and give you a, if you pay us a subscription, we will get them for you and send them to you. Oh, wow. Good for them. Um, Making so, dreams come true. Right. And so Ashes was dead. And Team Covenant's like, we love Ashes. Can we team up with you guys and do like a subscription thing and keep Ashes going? Wow. And so Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born is a, a pre-constructed deck game that I I love it. I have an almost unnatural love for Ashes. It's pretty much one of my favorite two-player games. Um, it's it's magic. It's not for everybody because it's Magic: The Gathering. If you slow it down and make it more strategic, and uh, instead of having to worry about do I have the land for this, it's all dice. So you actually roll dice each round to see if you have the stuff to to play your cards or not. Interesting. Interesting. So they bring in back that. They bring back Fireball Island. W what other games should they bring back from the dead? <laughs> Every once in a while, uh, Restoration Games will put out there, like, what, what game do you want to see? Um, Fireball Island, for a while, was mine. I kept shouting that I wanted new Fireball Island, and then they did it. Um, my current hobby horse for when whenever they put that out uh, I, I, you'll see if you if ever follow me on Twitter, you'll every once in a while you can tell when they're calling for that because my Twitter will be filled with uh, recreate Omega Virus, you cowards. <laughs> um, I, I don't know Omega Virus, but oh, okay, okay, o I'm on board. Omega Virus was back in the age of the the squawk boxes, um, which is basically before we had modern technology that we have today. Right. There was this big piece of plastic that sat in the middle of the board and kind of talked like a speaking spell. Uh, it was okay. really, and, and uh, the whole plot line of Omega Virus is that there's this satellite that has nuclear warheads on it. It was controlled by this AI um, that it was just a basic, like, like doors open AI. Uh, but then a virus got introduced and the virus is taking over. And if the virus takes over the satellite, it's going to nuke the world. Oh no. So you as the players are representing representatives of varying nations trying to stop this malicious virus from taking over this this satellite and nuking the world. Oh my goodness. And it the, so the whole time the like the the AI is going like help me, help me. And the, the, the literally the virus voice comes on and starts taunting it like, help me, help me. Oh my me. goodness. That's and it's crazy. like red player must be stopped. And like, <laughs> and the, the coolest thing about it was, was that uh, the board was, it kind of looked like a square normal board, but every once in a while the game, as the game progressed, like sectors of the of the satellite would get shut down and the board actually folded into the, like each corner of the board folded into the center to tell you that sector can't be acted can't be used anymore. Oh no. You physically folded in the board. Wow. And so you, you you then get a little little limited cramped claustrophobic. Absolutely, because less and less because you have to find the AI. You have to find all the gear because thematically they worked it out that uh the AI is run on a computer that's so advanced, it spins so fast, it actually exists three seconds in the future. <laughs> so you have to get varying pieces of gear in order to slow down the thing before you can access it. So this is, I mean, th this is like a cross then between like, you know, 2001, A Space Odyssey and Portal. I mean, you've right. got the, the evil, vindictive AI and it's out to get you and you've got to be one step ahead. Okay, well, I'm with Mike Perna. Bring back the Omega virus, you cowards. 
Yeah, no, I, I want, every time he announces that they're going to bring back another game, I'm like, I either want you to be so obscure that I've never heard about this before, <laughs> or I want it to be Omega Virus. Omega Virus. My vote's for Omega Virus. That sounds really amazing. Well, um, speaking of your Twitter then, if people want to follow you and all of the amazing things that you do, where where would they find you on the internets? Pretty much the best place for, to find me is on our website. It's inroadsministries.com. That's it, inroads with two ends. Yeah, yes. double down on the ends. The the whole thing, we leaned heavy on the trope of if you've ever played a role-playing game ever, you will eventually end up in the tavern where the shady-looking guy sitting by the fire will offer you a quest. Tolkien did it, and so does everybody else. And it's been, it's, it's worked, it worked for Dad, it worked for America, and it's gone, yeah. No, yep. uh, so, so, so... Tell me, I love I love what you you guys do, man. Like you've got a, a huge thing. Not only do you do the whole you know board game kind of vibe, which is really cool. And I, I, I we we've got to get together again soon because I want to hear more about all of your your board game collections and your experiences and the things that we need to bring back, you cowards. But um, <laughs> but you, your your podcast that you do is so unique. It's so out of the box and it's a, it's a weird little animal. So I, I listened to an episode and I, I was probably about three minutes, four minutes into an episode and I went, I've got to go back to episode one and just build to this. Like I've got to go back to the beginning and experience the, the whole of this. It, it It's really, if you go back to the beginning, you're talking about, uh, we have two primary podcasts, but one of them has been on pandemic timeout because, you know, life happened for both of, for every variation of co-hosts that hosted it. That's called Game Store Profits, yeah. where we literally just talk about games and Jesus stuff and how they cross over. Um, the, the one Tony's bringing up is called Bard and Bible. Bard and Bible is legendary. Which is what I refer to as the weirdest Christian devotional you're ever going to listen to. It's amazing, Mike. It's amazing. You know it is. I, I I have often said that should should the worst happen, should the world collapse around me and inroads die tomorrow, I will still make Barden Bible. <laughs> it's it is it is spiritual mythology for the modern day. I mean, it's it's amazing because you're it's it you you think it's whatever you think it's going to be, it's more it's, immersive. It's, it's more engaging. <laughs> I mean, you are walking into a fully produced environment. I mean, it's immersive and you're just there. What's what's really fun is that it, it did not start out as it has become. It started off, I was just like, like we're a ministry and, and I want to do a devotional because I want to be able, I want to force myself to read my Bible to a level that forces me to communicate that to other people. Right. I, you know, the way life is right now, I don't have a lot of time to do that but I've, all, all my training has been that i have so much experience doing that i feel weird not doing that so I, I, it started off just as a devotional like i i was unashamedly geeky in my references but it was just a normal <laughs> devotional and after a while i it was seven episodes in before i used the framing device that Hey, what if the Barden Bible, this weird tavern that I'm talking about, was actually a weird little tavern? Right. And I was the innkeeper welcoming people in. It took seven episodes before that happened. And after a while, that grew. And the the keeper and, and the, the tavern that is the Barden Bible has now come to take up at least three to four minutes of the beginning of every episode. <laughs> uh, I have... Uh, I, the, the Barden Bible has a full staff now, uh, including Benny, <clears throat> Benny Longfellow, uh, <laughs> Nomi Stewart, pleasure to meet you, um, and, and Hamish, Hamish is our cook. 
Um, and and uh, the other voice that is is often represented, well, isn't often represented, has been represented a grand total of once, but maybe I can get her to come back. Uh, the innkeeper is loosely based off of me. And so they, the, the people wanted to know if I would loosely base a character off my wife, and I did. Uh, <laughs> in the innkeeper version of me, she has since passed away. Uh, so I literally had my you have a my, ghost wife. I had my wife voice her ghost <laughs> uh, in the inn, which was a fun episode because it basically led into uh, the episode. The title of that one is called "A Nap and a Snack," and it's the whole idea of Elijah sitting by the 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 river and and him telling God, "I can't do this. I'm going to die. I might as well just leave here." And uh, angels basically came by and said, "Just take a nap." here's some here's a snack (laughs) you are to bible stories like you are you are the the dungeons and dragons lord of the rings middle earth version of veggie tales wow that's a weird comparison but i'm not gonna say you're wrong (laughs) i mean you Um, you you take people into these adapted narratives that are definitely i mean they're definitely biblical i mean you can't shake that but the way that they're presented they create, there's a fantastical element to them that kind of stands on its own too. I literally have created, um, I'm, I'm in the process of creating. Uh, there are whole nations that have yet to be represented in the podcast yet, hmm. um, let alone people. Uh, but I have created the Nine Realms, which is literally just this fictional place of which the Barden Bible sits in the nation of Ecclesia. Hmm. And, uh, and yeah, it's it's been a thing. Like it started off where, the, to, to kind of go through the, the evolution of this, I started off just doing a devotional, then the tavern happened and me being the ham that I am, I just kind of leaned into it. And so more and more stuff kind of got referenced. And then I started noticing that people in our Facebook group would actually reference the silly things I did in the beginning of the podcast. (laughs) And so then I'm like, oh, this should be like an actual thing, shouldn't it? Like we should be writing this down and like making a thing out of it. And now I have a giant Google doc filled with (laughs) with major major people, places and historical events in the varying nations of the nine realms. Yeah, you kind of get your own mythology going on there. Yeah, and my, my goal one day is to do a system agnostic role-playing setting book so that people oh, can play in the Nine Realms. That's amazing. And there, there, there's so much stuff that exists in my head that hasn't shown up in the podcast yet. And some, the, the more you sit and talk with me, the more it, it, I, I reveal it because I can't wait to, but it, I just need to, there needs to be, unless I'm doing like a, the, the full cast parable episodes, which I literally just recreate a Bible story from beginning to end, in my weird world like some of this stuff just i'm waiting for a good opportunity for it to be in that that opening uh, they just <laughs> haven't shown up yet there's so much that i want to talk about i want to talk about the primordials and uh, golomancy and all this stuff that exists in my head i have i haven't even talked about the university of westphalia yet other than my fictional son goes there like <laughs> expansions upon expansions yeah like it's 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 a crazy thing and it's been a real blessing it's fun just to do it uh god has really been using it to affect my my hermeneutic the way i read the bible i do a story-based hermeneutic where i start i stopped doing like applications like it's fun because like 
for you guys, I do occasionally pop in and do devotionals for you guys. Yeah. For the Daily Devo. Doing, I literally have to like switch voice <laughs> because the stuff, because you don't think we can get a Daily Devo from Hamish? Oh, I, no, I think you, if you want one, I could get you, I, I could get you a Hamish devotional if you wanted it. No, um, I don't think so. I think Ryan would lose his mind, but that's okay. I, I think Ryan would lose his mind in a good way and then tell me no. I, Ryan, I've played with Ryan. I am a side character in his podcast. Don't don't think that he has know how to deal with me. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's it's such it's such a weird little animal. That's so cool. Well, I, I really encourage you guys to to check that out at inroadsministries.com. That's I double N roadsministries.com. And you can connect to all the social medias there. I mean, he's just got a ton of stuff, articles and uh, videos and all kinds of stuff like that. So, uh, you know, Mike, I, I thank you so much for taking some time. It's it's late night uh, so that we can avoid all of our, our toddler so, uh, convergences. Yeah, so, so we no longer have to worry about people asking, what are we doing sitting in our offices talking to, talking to people on the internet? That's right. That's right. So uh, we're... No. Here. I, these are a few of my favorite things. I mean, I could honestly go for another couple of hours and, and not even break stride. So, I mean, I have no doubt. This is my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, man, your passion is, is completely obvious and I think it's contagious. People get caught up in it. So thank you for being our Willy Wonka this evening, sir. You have, <laughs> you've blessed all of us. And I, I will say anybody who listens, especially because I, I saw, um, when I saw on the, the, uh, nerd of God squad, uh, Facebook group and I saw people commenting. I was super happy because people were commenting and I wanted to just at the same point I wanted to be just like, oh man, everybody's just talking about Catan and Catan was released in 1995. The world, the board gaming world has come so far since yeah. then. And I, I mean, but you, you say that, but you still wanted to bring back, uh, you know, Omega or, you know, you got Fireball Island. So I mean, I, every, everything old is new again. No, and, and Catan just announced that they have a $300 3D version coming out. So, That's I ridiculous. Mean, That's ridiculous. I mean, Save your money, kids. Donate Catan, it to poor people. Catan, go, Catan will never go away. <laughs> um, I, I have an old copy and I, I, I fear for the day when I wear it out because I don't like the way they produce the newer versions. Well, yeah, you know, um, we, we really have a problem when we see like a Catan version of Monopoly and a Monopoly version of Catan. That's how uh, you know the end is near. It's the last sign of the but, end But uh, I will just put it out there. Uh, I One of the things that I do as part of our ministry, uh, we are a legit 501c3 recognized ministry. Um, one of the things I do is I work with uh, church groups and everything and, and individuals too. We have a, our own Facebook group called the Wandering Bard Tavern. Um, and it's a bunch of nerdy people talking about games that they like. But one thing I end up doing is that I am happy to talk to people about, you know, they'll come up and say, what game should I buy? Or what game, I want to do this, what game's good? Uh, I literally just had a conversation with uh, a, a couple of the leadership in my church. And I'm like, they're like, oh, we want to do game days. I go, what do you want to do? Do you want to just get together and play? I got that. You want to do discipleship? I got that. You want to do outreach? I got that. You want to do skills training? I got that too. Gabe, there are so many cool games that do all sorts of stuff that I can make recommendations pretty much about pretty much anything you want to do with games. So whether you're just exploring for the, the heck of it and you want to see what's out there, um, I'm super excited about the fact that uh, if you've ever listened, if you ever watched the... Uh, Great British Bake Off. Kim Joy is getting a card game, and I can't wait for it. <laughs> um, That's all. Can can I play as Paul Hollywood? That's all that I want. 
No, it's it's actually this this cute little door. It's very much her aesthetic all the way through because she actually helped uh, develop the game. She didn't design it, but she helped develop it. It's definitely her aesthetic. That's so cool. Um, but like I I can come up with with and help people figure out what game they want to play or what's available out there in the world and uh, give. I love giving game recommendations, whether I've played it or I just know about it and uh happy to do it i'm always happy to do it well thank you for being a resource for all of us so uh yeah check uh, check out mike i just sent you a request and i got I approved Woo-hoo! Yep. so now I'm part of the wandering bard so thank you so much for being with us man taking some time to uh to lead us through the game shelves uh of of our imaginations and uh, let's do it again soon all right absolutely all right thanks for listening if you haven't uh, done so yet check us out on facebook at the nerd god squad it's a uh, our small group with memes and encouragement it's a great time to share some memes and live your dreams and uh, uh, visit nerdgodcast.com you can find out how to connect with us across all the social media platforms until next time for the barden bible inroads ministry magic mike perna and me tony t we ain't gotta go home but we can't stay here